Welcome to the Button to Christ Ministries podcast. Here you will find powerful messages from our ministry founder and president, Patrick Baker. You will also hear interviews and testimonies, all designed to encourage God's people to come higher in Christ Jesus and experience true power in Him. Join us every week on our prayer line every Tuesday and Friday morning at 5 a.m. and Tuesday and Friday nights at 7.30 and 9 p.m. respectively. All times are Eastern Standard Time. And now, without further ado, sit back and enjoy the Button to Christ Ministries podcast. How high the mountain, I could not climb. In desperation, I turn to heaven. Spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness. Oh, through the shadows of my soul, the work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine the greater mercy, what I could fathom? Such boundless grace, the God of heaven, step down from glory to wear my sin and bear my sin. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings, but me is all. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Oh, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord who set me free. Hallelujah. The past love is sweet, but me. you have broken everything. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the warring lion declared the grave as a claim on me. Then came the morning, had sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe out of the silence. The warring lion declared the grave as a claim on me. Ooh. 
without you is a victory. Oh, hallelujah, where's the one who set me free, hallelujah, the first love is given me, you have broken everything, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my My hope, my living hope. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you for sharing that powerful, powerful song of worship, Sister Joseph. Thank you for sharing. I was truly blessed. I hope everybody on the line was as well. And it is uh, my uh, privilege and my honor to introduce uh, the woman of God giving the word from the Lord tonight. Uh, Sister Anita, happy Sabbath. Press star star to unmute your phone. Happy Sabbath, my sister. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath to you, sis. <laughs> can you hear me clearly? I can. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Good evening, brothers and sisters. What a privilege. What a privilege to know that Jesus is our living hope, as Sister Joseph reminded us tonight. And um, I know that we've all gone through a very busy week. Um, some of us have had our mountain experiences. Some of us have had our valley experiences. But all in all, we are alive to proclaim the great and the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Had it not been for his grace, had it not been for his mercies, had it not been for his unfailing love, we would not have been here on this Sabbath uh, day. And we just praise the name of Jesus tonight. It is my um, honor to bring the word tonight, not from myself, because I have nothing to offer. But this word is coming from the Lord and just to ensure that Whatever is said is under the influence of his spirit. We, I'm inviting everyone, wherever you are, to just bow with me as I pray. Mighty great God, we thank you. We thank you for being such an awesome God to us. We invite your holy presence at this time. Hide me behind your cross. Empty me of self, of 
everything that is unlike you and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Speak to us tonight, Father. Give us meat in due season. Awaken us to the times that we are living in, oh, my Father, and help us to draw closer to you than we've ever done before. Father, go forth and minister to us through the power of your spoken word. This is our prayer in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I would just like for a moment to have everyone think of what comes to mind when you when you think of the books of Daniel and Revelation or end time prophecy. As Seventh-day Adventists, we know that we are people of prophecy. Do you think of beasts, natural disasters? Do you think of wars and rumors of wars or persecution? What about the mark of the beast and that time of great tribulation? Are some of these things coming to your mind as I'm speaking? Our church can boast itself in having the best understanding of the books of Daniel and Revelation, Bible prophecy, and end-time events. We have some of the best scholars in eschatological events. We have grown used to discussion about the chronological order of prophetic events, and we watch with bated breath as global events fulfill these prophecies with precision. But one of the most detrimental mistakes we make is that great emphasis is placed on studying the movements of the Vatican or the Romish church and, and, and um, the unifying of world leaders or governments. And we look at things like natural disasters or pandemics like COVID-19. And we most likely and most often overlook one of the most profound warnings that God gave his people. When you think of Matthew chapter 24, one of the books that we turn to to expound on prophetic end time events. From this book, we talk about wars and rumors of wars, nation rising against nation. We talk about the famines and the pestilences, earthquakes persecution, and I could go on and on of the various signs that Jesus listed that we would we could look for and we would see um, being fulfilled in the latter time. Allow me, though, to turn your attention to one of the most important end-time events that will sweep the entire secular and spiritual world. Matthew 24, verses 3 and 4 reveals to us a scene where Jesus' disciples have come to him in a private way because there's something that they want to ask Jesus. And so the scripture says, and as he sat, he, Jesus, sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. It is very important to pay close attention to the chronological order or the rank that Jesus places this end time event or, or, or in fact all the end time events or signs into. When the disciples asked Jesus, 
to tell them about what they should expect at the end of time or the signs that would alert them of the end, Jesus' first words were, Take heed that no man deceive you. Wow. Isn't it interesting that Jesus placed deception at the top of the list of the signs of the end of time? If Jesus' first admonition to his disciples was to not be deceived, should we not pay close attention to this? Given that we live in the very close of time, I am not saying that it is unimportant to study the movement of global events or what is happening with um, papal Rome um, or, or the signs of the end as they're unfolding. These things are important. But is there a danger in paying too much attention on these things and trivializing the extreme importance of signs like deception in the last days? Revelation 12:17 tells us, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her seed or the remnant of her seed. Why? Because they keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So I ask, who is this dragon and what does he do? What I love about the word of God is that the word answers itself. Everything you may ask yourself when you read the scriptures, there is a scripture to answer. So Revelation 12 verse 9 gives us the answer as to who is the dragon. There is no guesswork here. And verse 9 says, and the dragon, the great dragon, was cast out of heaven, if you read the preceding verses, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth. The whole world he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Powerful scripture here. Beloved, in Genesis chapter 3, we read about deception and how it costed us so much, everything. We lost perfection. We lost purity. We lost Peace. We lost the communion of heaven. We lost the communion with God. So Revelation also speaks about deception. So the beginning of the word speaks about deception. The end of the word speaks about deception. In Genesis 3, we read about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Think about this for a moment. They walked with God and heavenly angels. They talked with God and heavenly angels. They were a perfect people in a perfect relationship with a perfect God in a perfect place. But through deception, they were overcome. Satan appeared as a serpent and mixed just a little error with truth and poisoned their mind. God said to our forefathers, our foreparents, that the moment they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would surely die. Satan, through deception, said, you shall not surely die. A lie that still lives on today. It's in the movies propagated by Hollywood. It's in the music. It's in novels. It's in books. Beloved, everywhere you turn, there is this 
the, 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 there is this this um, doctrine of, of of spirits living of people who are dead and they can still talk and 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 minister to the living. It is still alive today. This biblical account is really profound. If such pure and perfect beings could have been deceived by the enemy, where do we stand in this generation? Therefore, should we should never take it as a light thing, the power of deception, even upon professed Christians in these last days. So we see here in Revelation 12 verse 9 that Satan's main trait is deception. His main purpose is to deceive. He thinks it, he eats it, he sleeps it, he walks it. He is deception at the highest level. The verse also tells us that he did not just deceive our four parents, but also pure and holy angels. Now, this is mind-blowing. You mean angels who ministered in the courts of heaven were deceived? Angels who were in the very presence of God were deceived? Well, beloved, not only angels. He deceived the antediluvian world, the people that Noah preached for for 120 years, awakening them to truth and trying to stump out the deception and the deceptive scheme of Satan. He deceived them as well. Despite the warnings of the impending cataclysmic flood, they bought into the, the deception. He deceived, he deceived over and over again the nation of Israel, leading them to apostasy and continually costing them their relationship with God. And that ultimately led to their doom as a nation. This is, there is, beloved, an unsatisfied hatred that Satan has towards the commandment-keeping children of God who choose to uphold truth and righteousness. Some of the worst atrocities that this world has seen to date were committed during the Dark Ages. We read about Nero, a Roman em emperor, who entertained guests in his palace while Christians were being burned as torches to light up his garden. Permit your imagination to envision this scene. They were eating, laughing, and enjoying themselves despite the cries, the screams, or the unpleasant smell of those poor souls being burned up to death. But today, these schemes are different. Gone are the days when Satan fought God's people from without, and he came with a persecuting front. He no longer outrightly persecutes and, and comes out with his dark ominous, as a dark ominous antagonist. Today, his strategies are different and have been refined for thousands and thousands of years. Today, beloved, sure. Satan fights from within. He sits in our churches. He preaches from the pulpit. He ministers through song and music. He teaches the members and and, 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 and carries on in discussions. Beloved, this happens when we do not delve into the word of God and we do not study the scriptures for ourselves. Then it is easy to be overtaken by the deceptive schemes of Satan. Today we have 
preachers say things like, you can never live above sin. You will be sinning until Jesus comes. Beloved, is that what the word says? As far as I can read, Matthew one twenty one says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people not in their sins, but from their sins. We hear about doctrines that, if examined closely, they would be exposed as blatant error, and today they're permeating among us. We hear teachings that God has called us to live a life of poverty for his glory, that we should be suffering and, and being one. Permit me to say here that the only poverty my Bible tells me about is that God wants, that God wants for his people is that we are poor in spirit. He wishes above all things that we prosper as our souls prosper. We are living in a time and an age when we have to test everything that is coming to us, even from within our borders. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Wow! Now God's word does not return to him void. God is not a man that he should lie. And if he says that in the latter times, where we are right now, many among us will depart from the faith. Why? Because they are going to be deceived by demons. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 to 4 says, Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Do it in love and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, lies. That's deception, friends. And in Revelation 16, verses 13 to 15, we, we see a, a masterpiece seen here. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked. And they see his shame. When Jesus warned his disciples of guarding themselves against end-time deception, he understood that this would be one of the greatest weapons of Satan. Notice that the unclean spirits present like frogs. They're disguised, just like Satan presented to Eve in the form of a serpent. Additionally, these unclean spirits come out of the mouth. What comes out of our mouth? Words, words, conversation, teachings, doctrines, lies, truth, all these things come from our mouth. It tells us that unclean spirits are coming out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. So I just want us to understand here briefly 
that the dragon represents spiritism, paganism. Satan himself, of course, but these are the works that are blatant to him. The beast represents Romanism, and the false prophet represents apostate Protestantism. So, beloved, these three, Ellen White tells us, will combine in the last days. They will come together. Listen to what she says in Darkness Before Dawn, page 42. Only those who have been diligent students of Scripture and who have received the love of the truth will be shielded from the powerful delusion that takes the world captive. By the Bible testimony, these will detect the deceiver in his disguise. So all the testing time will come. By the sifting of temptation, the genuine Christian will be revealed. What do you listen to? Who do you listen to? What do you watch? What do we feed our minds on, beloved? Going back to the great deception that will fall upon the world, we read in Revelation 16, 13, that evil spirits will come out of the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And she says they will propagate two great errors, the immortality of the soul and Sunday sacredness. Can, you may ask, can a Bible-believing, prophecy-knowing church like ours fall prey to last-day deception? The answer is yes. We can be deceived into adopting forms and practices of paganism and spiritism, the occult, witchcraft. All of those things can come into our lives. Yes. We can adopt the customs and rites and doctrines of Romanism. And yes, we can adopt the doctrines, beliefs, and practices of Protestant faiths that have apostatized and embraced error rather than truth. Think about what God shows Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 8. God takes Ezekiel to a scene where he uncovers the state of the church. And there he shows Ezekiel. And I, I can just imagine how disconcerting it was to him, how unbelieving it was to see the true state of the church. Ezekiel is shown things that were happening in darkness. He was shown scenes of, of church members bowing to idols and creeping things and, and, and the creature rather than worshiping the creator. He was shown women weeping for Tammuz, elders and leaders on their knees with their backs to the temple of God facing the sun, sun worship. How could that be? God's church? How could people who were listening and hearing the word of God, reading the word of God, be overtaken by this great deception? Isaiah 8.20 tells us, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. We are to test, beloved, everything that comes, even what I'm sharing. Let's take it down. When Brother Patrick preaches and when different people take up the, the lesson study, let us take the notes down. Go back to the word and see that it's there for ourselves. Let us not depend on, on, on people studying the word for us, but let us go back 
to being a Bible student who know the word inside out. We need to study the, the genuine beloved in order to tell the counterfeit or to detect the counterfeit. Today we have, we can find the tentacles of spiritism all around us. Unfortunately, even today, we have some practices creeping into our homes and our churches. Take yoga, for example. Yoga has become an extremely popular fitness phenomenon in the past few decades. Most people involved with yoga believe it is to be nothing more than physical exercise and stretching. Listen to the extreme warning that a former yoga expert offers, and I quote, I advanced in the occult say for so fast that as soon as I that soon sorry I became the youngest guru in the western hemisphere and one of the most advanced and powerful twice a week I taught yoga on television yoga sounds like a nice simple set of exercises says the expert everyone think thinks it's just gymnastics I want to warn that it is just the beginning of a devilish trap. After I became an instructor in yoga, my guru showed me that the only thing these exercises do is open your appetite for the occult. They are like marijuana. They usually lead you on to a drug that is worse and stronger, binding you so completely that only Christ can deliver you. Many people think that occult power is just the power of the mind. This is not true. There is a point beyond which the power of the mind ends and the demonic power takes over. End of quote. I understand, beloved, that today some of our churches are hosting yoga classes at, our, at the church. This, beloved, is spiritism being welcomed into our pews among our members what about tai chi martial arts karate what we call defense um, um we call them you know defense self-defense um classes do we engage in such activities activities we may say i don't partake in anything that's of spiritism but beloved do we engage in such activities a former martial arts expert eric wilson who spent 25 years studying every form that was out there, earning nine black belts or becoming a ninth dan for um, studying various forms of martial arts, was born actually and raised as a Seventh-day Adventist. But Satan deceived him and lured him into this realm simply through his search for developing self-defense skills. He has he has now been rebaptized and goes around various churches. And you could find him on YouTube as well, where he's warning church members about the dangers and the practices of uh, martial arts. And he said something very interesting when I listened to his testimony. He said that when he started to go higher, the lower level people don't understand what they're engaging in. but the sensei, the master, studies his students and sees who has a greater thirst for the occult, for spiritism. And they would watch who has that hunger 
and he would select these persons to come to these persons to come to private classes, which he partook of. And you could not say what was done there, what was taught there, and what you experienced there. No one could speak about it. And he also said, when they would bow before the master or the sensei, when he got back to the word, God arrested him like Saul, who became Paul. And he said, God delivered him from the occult, from martial arts and the demons that were afflicting his soul. And he gave his testimony and he said that when he bowed to these people, he was bowing to God, other gods, demons. And he said he, he began to find out why they would remove their shoes when they were getting onto the mat for combat. The removal of shoes they teach is because it's sacred ground holy ground because an entity is there and beloved who gave the the um, command to Moses when he approached the burning bush and God told Moses take off your shoes for where you're standing is holy ground think about this for a moment and he goes on and says how his life was wrecked through this practice beloved are we participating in these things you may say, but we don't have any union with Romanism or, or people Rome. No, no, no. But beloved, in 2014, the leaders of one of our churches in California brought a Catholic priest to do a series of sermons on Lent, stating that they were seeking to bring um, an understanding about Lent to the Adventist community and that the authority on Lent was the Catholic Church. Who better or who's best to teach? Today, many professed Christians no longer understand the Bible truth about the state of the dead. In one of our local churches, beloved, and I say this, you know, just, I say this basically just, you know, trying to be measured. A leader came to present the word, but being late, he apologized and announced to the church that he had just come from a birthday party at the cemetery for his deceased son. That struck me, beloved. Don't we know about the state of the dead anymore? What about the presence of apostasy in our churches? I have lived today to see a time and an age when keepers of truth are being ostracized, are being ridiculed, are being shunned because they preach the undiluted word of God. They advocate for diet and health reform, dress reform, character reform, and because of it, they are shunned. When did we get here? Beloved, it may seem like the enemy is winning. It may appear that his schemes are working, but I thank God Almighty that he has a people today. And I pray, God, that those of you listening on the line tonight, you have made your commitment to serve the Lord no matter what. I believe, beloved, God has a people who will not bow down like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the music of compromise is being played, we will hold the fort. We will lift the banner of truth, and we will never bow to the, to the demons of this world, to Satan and his deceptive schemes. There is a people who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. Men and women who are ardent students of the word and who do not just know the word, but they believe the word and they practice the word. Oh, saints, there is a mighty army that God is bringing together from all different walks of life from every kindred, nation, tongue, and people, an army that makes up his last day church. 
as the shaking is taking place within our congregations, many are falling away by the deceptive schemes of Satan. We are to remain on this ship. This Adventist church, dear, dear beloved brethren, we are not asked by God to abandon ship, to leave this church. This is where truth is. People who choose to be deceived will fall out. We are to remain on this ship. And despite what we see happening around us, we are to be anchored in Jesus. Recently, beloved, our island church experienced a shaking like never before. And I say this with my heart breaking because we could, we could have avoided this. Just a few weeks ago, we have two members of our church in very, two different congregations who are um, politicians. And they are going up for each representing a different political party. But they have for years been fighting each other in an ungodly way in the public's eye for years, but they hold prominent positions in the church. Nothing was being done, no correction, no admonition, but they are political figures and they were allowed to just do what they do until this fateful Sabbath morning when one stormed into the other's church and an assault happened there, words, words. Beloved, this is what we're talking about. They did not fight with fists. They did not fight with guns. They were fighting with words. There was words being lashed out. And beloved, this was posted on every social media platform. The church was shaken. Unbelievers, people who were looking from without, looking within, well, questioning this church, we had Catholic priests commenting on the scene. We had other pastors from other denominations commenting publicly. It made the headlines. It was posted all over the news just three weeks, two or three weeks ago. This happened. A Sabbath morning. While church was going on, this occurred. Beloved, when did we get there? How do we safeguard ourselves from the deceptive schemes of Satan? In closing, I say this. If we go back to the word and we become commandment-keeping people and we follow the life and the testimony of Jesus, we will overcome the schemes of Satan. First John 4 Verses 1 and 4 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know he the spirit of God. In other words, God is admonishing us. You need to know my spirit. Don't tell me you thought it was me. No, you need to know my spirit. This is what God is saying. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And that is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof he have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Prove all things, hold 
us that which is good, beloved. First Corinthians eleven thirteen to 15 says, For such as are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. That is his new agenda. He's coming in with a godly garb. Therefore, verse 15, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. How do we, we safeguard ourselves from the delusions and the deceptive schemes of Satan? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Ephesians 6:11 says, put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you and I may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Tonight, beloved, my appeal to all of us is that we shake off that spirit of lackadaisical, that spirit of a lackadaisical attitude from us. Let us not get so busy and caught up that we don't take time to study the word. Let us not miss out on communing with God who teaches us by the power of his spirit truth. He says he will lead us into all truth. Beloved, let us pray for God to open our eyes to see these deceptions and these delusions that we can know the genuine from the counterfeit. Let us pray for our churches, many who are weaker when these things happen, beloved, like what I've shared with you tonight that has taken place recently. People are shaken and many have, are losing their faith in the church and in Christ because of others who are falling away. Beloved, we need to shake up. We need to sober up. We need to be vigilant. We need to be sober because the enemy has come up against the church of God. But beloved, tonight, let us be among those who will stand strong, who will be anchored, and no storm will overtake us. The floods will come. The rains may pour. The winds may blow of every other doctrine, of every erroneous thing. It will come. We will hear. We will see. But we will be anchored in truth. Because when we're anchored in truth, beloved, we're anchored in Christ. And so tonight, I just ask wherever you are that you just bow again with me as I pray. Father, Lord, help us to stand against the delusions of the end time. Lord, things in our lives, in our homes, things we practice or we welcome in unknowingly, we confess tonight. We ask for cleansing. We ask for deliverance, Lord. We ask you to help us to learn and to know of you, O oh God, 
more of your word, more of your way, more of your truth, that we would be immersed in the knowledge of truth, that when error comes, Father, we would detect it. Lord, we need your spirit tonight. Rescue us, O God. Shield us. Cover us under your wings and keep us safe and secure from all the deceptions of the enemy. Bless your people tonight. Bless your church tonight. Lord, let there be a revival of primitive godliness like never before, that your message can go forth and we can not just preach the word, but we would be living the word and, and, and proclaiming it by the lives we live with power as we bring down the kingdom of darkness in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercies and your matchless love. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bun to Christ Ministries podcast. We hope that you were blessed. Feel free to visit our website at buntochrist.com for more content and information. Also, feel free to contact us at buntochrist70 at gmail.com with your prayer requests or any questions you may have. May God richly bless you, and we'll see you next time.